Welcome to Theater in 360, the podcast of the Colonial Players of Annapolis. I'm your host, Jim Ryder. On this episode of Theater in 360, Marjorie Prime, January 12th through February 3rd. Today we're talking with director Ed Miller. Ed. Hello. Hello. Tell us, you have a long history at CP. We don't have to talk years, but it's a long <laughs> history. Um I think before we get into Marjorie Prime, which is a fascinating script, we should talk a little bit about how you got into uh, Colonial Players, when you got into Colonial Players, director, actor, stage designer, set designer, extraordinaire. Tell us everything that you've done at CP, not every show, (laughs) and then, uh, you know, maybe how you started and, and maybe a few of the most recent I started when I came to the area in 63 and started with Colonial Players sometime 64 to 65, right in that era, just hanging around, helping the prop people, whoever it was. Officially, the first show was uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Mm. which was the first show after they opened the door between the dressing room building and the theater building. And the, the dressing room side was not heated and it was February, and my first line was, my, it's hot here on the veranda. <laughs> Best acting I've ever done in all 60 years almost that I've been there. Uh, as what I've done, partly it's been evolved. I was an interior designer as a profession. So the design stuff sort of came. That's, But uh, doing the bio this time, I thought, this is a show about memories and changing them and uh, Whatever. So I thought, I've never done it before, but I listed, I went back and researched, and I listed all 19 shows I have directed for Colonial Players, not counting any of the ones outside of there. So this is, Marjorie Prime is 20. Number 20. And, and I don't know how many acting jobs I didn't go chasing it. Not enough, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Well, so tell us, uh, speaking of Marjorie Prime, mm-hmm. um, 2015 Pulitzer Prize finalist, 2017 quite a well-received movie. Um, I don't know how many people saw it, but it was acclaimed, uh, critically anyway. John Hamm, um, Gina Davis, Davis, um, Tim Robbins, and Judy Smith. Okay. I deliberately have not. I know it's out there. I'm going to see it afterwards, but I I I don't want to be in When I was looking it up, I thought... The the reviews and the the you know the eight point three whatever on Rotten Tomato whatever it is, and I thought where did it go? You know maybe a lot of people have seen that. I'm just ignorant. I don't know, but it's a fascinating idea. The play obviously with the Pulitzer you know finalist and the movie getting such great reviews, um, it touches base with people, and so tell us about the story itself. And why you got interested in it? Because you and I aren't much for artificial intelligence and technical things, <laughs> and yet you're directing one of the most forward-looking shows. But it's about people. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. When I saw it at Sneak Peek, and I thought, "Oh my God, this is all about computers, and I can't work my phone." Mm-hmm. So uh, then I read it. And it's about the interrelationships between all the people and families and the dynamics. And it's a heavy load. It's, it's a dark 
script, but there's so much depth to it. And the more we worked it, the more we found and are still finding. Things will pop up because the, the wonderful cast I have is still working and adding to the, the their levels of uh, understanding and whatever and trying to be careful that we don't become robotic or or science fiction or whatever. It's real. And that's what we're, we're aiming at. And we want to make uh, people enjoying themselves and having a good theater experience is a better term, but pique their curiosity so they go and find out. Look at it up and get form their own opinions on mm-hmm. what some of this can or cannot do or should or should not do. Well, tell us about the show itself and, and what it's about and how AI does play into it, and then uh, we can get into the cast. Uh, all right. The, the premise is that when somebody passes away and they're no longer in your life physically, but you miss them and you're, you're by yourself or your family has taken you in, but they work and you're alone in the daytime, you need a companion, somebody to talk to. So you can go to Serenity House and make a contract for a prime, which is a hologram of the person you loved that has passed away. And you can alter them to some degree. Like the lady in Rosemary Prime chooses her husband, which is very nice. But she's 86 and she chooses him when he was 30. She wants to remember him how he was, not after all the things that had happened to him in his life. And then it's how much does her daughter enjoy having the prime to help her or is jealous of the prime because is he doing her job? Where does all that stand? And it progresses from that, the acceptance or or fight against the prime and what it stands for and what it means and how to use it or how, how to say, get out of my life. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it, it, it really is about relationships absolutely even though this is key to the to the plot but tell us about how the relationship factor in this show kind of supersedes the ai factor well the, the marjorie prime is an older lady who's 86 who is in the first stages of dementia and spends most of the day by herself so they get the prime but her daughter and son-in-law have verbal sparring as to how good it is or how good good it is not mm-hmm. for their relationship and how it wheedles its way between them at times and between them and their the, mom and and yeah. and the mom and right. who's leading who on and and how they uh, how they get along with it how one absolutely takes notes feeds the prime what it needs to know and whatever, and the other one does not. It, it fights against it. And that's, that's part of it. That, and it's their relationship and how they handle the, the, the use of the prime. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of us boomers, a lot of you know folks like high 60s, early 70s, <laughs> you know. Kids. Kids, <laughs> yes, who are dealing with this right now with parents, you know, uh, who are at the end of their lives. And um, it's fascinating how the the balance between that human factor and, and, and what this AI factor looks at when you're, in essence, 
trying to take care of someone at their end of the, at the end of their life, like uh, Marjorie, and the prime comes in and it's her thirty year old husband. How does that age difference factor into the to the storytelling here? It's just a choice that the playwright made, um, and I have his name, Jordan Harrison. Um, why not pick the 50-year-old or the 70-year-old or the same age? Uh, that's discussed between Marjorie and her daughter. Um, and the daughter thinks it's because she wanted the husband before he had suffered and gone through whatever life has tossed him. Mm-hmm. It's not in the script what it tossed him. We have figured out, out a lot of this stuff. Because when you've... by. It's never stated where this play takes place, what time or whatever, but it is in the future. We figured it's somewhere around 2060 mm-hmm. from ages given and when people were born and stuff like that, the background stuff that you work work out kind of thing. And it, it's... he when, a, when you hire a prime, they're a blank slate. They have no soul. They know nothing. But they don't call it programming. They call it, I talk like whomever I've talked to. So they repeat the stories they've been told, but anything else they don't know. They can't embroider themselves. However, if it's a factual thing, they can go in the cloud or whatever it's called and do the research uh, electronically or I don't know the right terms for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But So they get into it. But for instance, one of the things we had trouble with is because they are a hologram and they are air, they can't touch anybody and nor can the other actors touch them physically because they're air they're not there if marjorie drops a spoon she has to pick it up herself because the prime can't help her he can talk to her he can sit and but he can't you can't hug them when you have an emotional thing or or you you can laugh with them Mm -hmm. but you can't touch them physically you may be able to you can't even touch them emotionally they can touch you because of, like, if the son-in-law told the story and then the prime is repeating it to Rose, to uh, Marjorie, then it's different from her version. And that's where part of the conflicts come in because you've got the same story from three different people. Mm-hmm. And who remembers what and when and how it fell in the, the spectrum of their lives? How do you approach that from a technical angle, the fact that he's, obviously you don't have someone coming on as a uh, a vision or a ghost, but is there anything sp- specific or is he, he just becomes a real character? You have a little have, funny we, light following him around? No, <laughs> no that you've got to be able to... This thing is written so it's episodic and mm-hmm. each one of them has a story to tell and you still have to be able to look you in the somebody in the eye and the audience has to feel that when they're telling their story, which may be a page and a half long mm-hmm. within a script thing. You've got to make me believe that you're telling me this is my life, this happened to me. And even the prime has to have that, but it's because that's how that prime was told that story. Mm-hmm. And if you tell it with no emotion, that's what's... we. So we do not go, when I... robotic talk. We don't walk around sort of statistic... Uh, statically mm-hmm. uh, inept kind of thing. But hints, like when the the very first scene you see, and you won't know unless you've read a synopsis somewhere, the Prime is sitting on the window seat, but his legs are outside the building. 
and he comes back in when it starts up to talk. And they lurk. They're not, once they're on set, they're still there most of the time. Not completely, I don't want to distract everybody, but they'll go sit in a corner or sit on the steps, and they're there, they're listening, they're absorbing, they're feeding their intelligence from what's told. And then the prime can ask a question. Rosemary said something about when did my mother die, and, and, the, and the, the prime said, tell me more about your mother. So he's gaining. And when that comes, there'll be a time when uh, she, she'll she ask a question. He'll say, I don't have that information. And that's the time it sounds mechanical, mm-hmm. like it's a recording. Hmm. But other than that, they're talking just like we are. Tell us about your cast. Oh, <laughs> dreams. Yeah, good. <laughs> dreams. I have four wonderful people. Each one of them works differently which you find in any cast mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I have one that, that uh, writes a book in her script. It, they're constantly whatever and go. I have one that I'll say, try this, and I can work with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I have one that goes and, and brings it all back and then let, asks me to please mold it a little bit. And and uh, the, the fourth one is... The hardest role, I think, in the show. It's not the biggest, but it's the hardest because he is always a prime. So he has to operate on the fact that he has no emotion from the very beginning. And how, when working any play as a director, you work with the backgrounds to build the backstory for all the actors, and he has none. Mm -hmm. And if you become a prime within the show, then you go from a backstory to having none. And you, uh, to show the difference between the living one and the prime one when it's the same actor is a real challenge for me and for them. It's a fascinating. Tell us the characters and who's playing them. Um, Marjorie is it, uh, Marjorie Lancaster, which you probably never really even hear, but um, is um, Jean Louise. She's done a couple of things for players. Uh, also, I think, has an equity card. She has been professional kind of stuff. She was in um, Lucky Stiff. Mm-hmm. That one I remember in something else. Uh, and just just to, to watch her build the scenes is fascinating. Um, the daughter is Katie Wheeler, who has the most emotional parts of the, the thing. And how... She goes back and forth from the happy to the uh, sad and inter- internal sort of thing. Uh, Dylan Roche is Walter, who is the 30-year-old husband mm-hmm. of 86-year-old Marjorie. Uh, and uh, Ben Carr is the son-in-law, John. And uh, they're, they're just... Part of the things I go after when looking for a play to direct is where there's an ensemble, where there's not a lead that's so overpowering the rest of the cast. I want to, the group to, to just work together and mesh and see on stage and off. And it, it, I've got it. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't be happier. Any uh, technical challenges? This sounds like it's, it's basically a living room in the round, so you're, you're okay there. But anything technical that you're surprising us with? Or? Oh, oh, some. I'm only using about <laughs> half the stage okay, because I want it more intimate uh-huh. kind of thing. Uh, we're trying, uh, for me, it's 
trying to find out how I can make it look like 2062, like we don't have light switches on the wall. They go on and off just like the other motion sensors that we have today. Mm-hmm. When they they have a, a sort of a whatever you call it when you talk to the, your robot in your house that says play me a m- music or whatever. Alexa. We have, we have something like that, Alexa, yeah. yeah. So we have some It'll of that. Probably Alexa's grandson by then. Uh, well, whatever <laughs> kind of thing. Actually, the, it, it's even hand signals. Mm-hmm. You'll see when, when that comes. We're trying to do that. Uh, there is, you know, when the when your television or if you have cable and the cable goes kaflooey and it, it sort of morphs over the thing and you get all that funny screwed up screen, we're trying to do that with lights for blackouts. So mm-hmm. that there's a static and that thing for about three seconds and then the blackout. Mm-hmm. Because so many things of modern playwrights are written as if they were written for television. There's no break. There's no chance to change a costume. There's no dialogue to change a scene or change a set piece or whatever. That has to be done within it. So we're trying to do that. The set is built so that there are hiding places within it. So that when a costume change comes, they can stand right there, take off a shirt and put it in a box and it disappears and the lights come back up as fast as we can possibly do it so that you don't lose track. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a cast who obviously read the play before they came out. You read the play. Something about the play touched all of you. Have you discussed that? What What is it about this forward-looking kind of thing that made everybody want to be a part of it? We talk about the human factor, and it, the mix is what's interesting. I the, think it, the, the mix is, but I don't think we've talked about it directly. We've mm-hmm. talked about it as individual relationships and, mm-hmm. and how that happens and why that happens and, and how far back can we go and fill in the blanks of why this is or why this relationship, because there's a fifth character that's talked about that's a very important mm-hmm. kind of thing, and what the relationship with that character is and why it is so much a part of what's happening right now, even though it's well in the past. So it, as a group, no, I don't know. As individuals, mm-hmm. yeah, because I've worked with each of them a little bit. And pairs, the rehearsal thing, we got to work very much in pairs a lot. So we, it helped with memorization and stuff because you could spend one night and do that scene with two people and do it five or six times which lets you work it and help them to memorize and stuff much quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious, you know, I always, whenever it's time to, to wrap one of these things up, I always ask what, what do you want the audience to walk away talking <laughs> about or feeling or thinking? And I was, you know, kind of picking through the script and remembering the, the sneak peek, and I thought, that's, unlike most plays, this may be a different takeaway depending on how old you are or what your situation is in a case where you might be you know taking care of a parent or having taken care of a parent and or being someone who might be in their late 80s who may be looking you know very closely down the road um, but is there a, a kind of overall feeling message this is not a play about death it's it's kind of a play about relationships and life which is part of death what you're feeling about, you know, an, an, a, a, a typical audience member walking away from this, or do you need to categorize them? <laughs> <laughs> well, you you see me laughing. Yeah. Uh, the, the 
because that when you go to put in for play in the director's committee, they always ask you that too. And I never, I have handled so many of the topical subjects in all the plays I've directed, but I don't aim to make the audience think anything. I just aim to make them think. Mm-hmm. I want them to be moved. And, and truly, with this one, I, I said somewhat in jest, but I want them to turn in the car and as they go home and say, all right, we haven't talked about this, dear, but do you want to be buried, cremated, or would you rather have a prime? Yeah. <laughs> because it's another choice yeah. that we've not had in the past. So it's something you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. You and your family need to talk about stuff. But that's, that's not my goal in mm-hmm. doing something like this. I just want them to think. Well, it's a fascinating script. It's obviously very successful on both the stage and on the screen. And we say break a leg. Thank you, sir. And thanks for coming out to uh, Theater and 360 Podcast. My pleasure. Take care. You've been listening to Theater in 360, the podcast of the Colonial Players of Annapolis, hosted by Jim Ryder, produced by Richard Athen Nichols, with music by Rob Levitt. Find out more at thecolonialplayers.org. And feel free to email us at podcast at thecolonialplayers.org. Thank you.